the father of a seven-year-old boy loses a battle within the courts on his boy transitioning to a girl. Paula White is now being endorsed. Yes, word of faith teacher and porn pusher Paula White is being endorsed by conservative pastors Franklin Graham and Craig Laurie. And is Christianity really on a decline in America? Stay with us as you look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Now, there are two kinds of people in the world, only two kinds, not black and white, not rich and poor. There are those who are dead in sin, and there are those who are dead to sin. After three nights of unbridled lawlessness across London, the contagion is spreading. The problem is that God has already judged this. He has judged murder already. I don't need to question it. I don't need to ask and wonder what his plan is. We're commanded as Christians not to participate in the works of darkness, but expose them. Welcome back to the 511 News. Today's show is going to be interesting. One, because the power actually went out here in Simi. And so I'm stuck recording on my phone once again back at uh, Pastor Joe's house, actually. And so if you hear any of my little kids run in, just know that's the reason. Or if any of the audio is a little different than what you're used to, just know that that's the reason. But I knew that I really wanted to get this show recorded because I'm going to be talking about three topics that are really, really important. And guys, if you're talking about the moral fiber of America, we are talking about something very, very, very serious that is going on. You see, because recently... Before I get into it, guys, I just want to point out that God hates divorce, and I think that this is a sad, sad picture of why God hates divorce so unbelievably much, and this is because of a little boy named Jeffrey Younger, a seven-year-old boy, and that is exactly what he is. You see, a Texas jury has ruled against a dad seeking custody of his twin seven-year-old sons in his attempt to stop one of the boys from transitioning his gender. The Dallas panel denied Jeffrey Younger's petition for sole custody of sons Jude and James, which came as the boy's mom is pushing for James to begin hormone replacement therapy. Yes, at seven years old, guys. The mom, pediatrician Ann Gergolis, contends that James is transgender, liking wearing dresses, and prefers to be identified as Luna. But at stake potentially, is not just James's identity in here and now, but his health down the line. Hormone therapy can cause infertility as well as carrying potential health risks ranging from hair loss to blood clots, according to medical professionals. Witnesses on Younger's behalf included friends, of, friends who testified that James is, has always gone by James and opts for boys' clothing whenever he's in the care of his father, even when girls' clothing is available, according to the Texan. The testimony was in support of Younger's contention that any desires James may have to be a girl are not his own, but a product of his mother's influence. The jury on Monday ultimately sided with Gorgulis paving the way for her to pursue possible transition for James. Now, guys, before I let you hear James, I, I wanted to point this out because... This is really sad. I have a six-year-old boy 
and there's plenty of times where he thought he was things he was not. Uh, praise God, uh, not girls. In fact, we were just looking at different uh, uh, toys and stuff that grandma, his grandma was looking at buying him. And I said, why don't you just get everything in the book, you know, joking with him. And he looked at me, he's like, but there's girl stuff in there, dad. And, um, but it, it is really interesting, you know, and it doesn't mean that young kids don't get confused. I'm sure plenty of young kids think they're Captain America, you know, um, plenty of young kids think they're Spider-Man at sometimes. And we don't simply tell them, yes, you're going to actually be a spider. You're going to, you know, be shooting webs everywhere. We talk to them, and even if you play around, Grant said, I wouldn't play with this sort of thing. And we'll talk about scripturally why, but you may play around here or there, but to actually go in and start saying, well, now we'll transition you into a spider. Uh, and so now what we're going to do is we're going to start putting webs on you. We'll put fake webs eventually. We'll maybe get some inserted where you can shoot them out. <laughs> and guys, we don't do that kind of nonsense because it'd be crazy. Um, and yet, uh, unless you went into surgery to do that, that's less crazy than what this mother's doing. And why I brought up divorce in the very beginning, because that's what's going on here. This is a custody battle between a mother and a father of twin boys. And little James is being caught in the thickets of this. And that's the most disgusting thing when we look at this and we understand uh, what is essentially going on. It makes me think of what happened with Solomon. And when Solomon's wisdom went out through all the lands, that was because of what he did when a woman had lied and had slept and actually killed her own child and then stolen another woman's child and said it was hers. And so Solomon, in his great wisdom, said, this is what we'll do. We'll cut the kid in half. You know, we'll, we'll split the kid up. And then the one that was truly the the one who cared was like, no, please don't do that ter- terrible thing. Just just let her have him. Just want him to live. And Solomon's like, well, obviously this is the mother. This person could really care less. And I think that's what's happening. This mother, in all honesty, I don't believe could really care less about this kid. I mean, you really couldn't. This is child abuse. You could say you care, but this is just absolutely repugnant. And this is why I say God hates divorce because look who's getting caught in the thickets of all this. Look who is the one who is really being betrayed here. And I don't say that lightly. This young boy is being betrayed for a custody battle. And it's absolutely positively heartbreaking. I'm going to play a clip of the dad doing an interview with young James so you can hear his own words and tell me, maybe you can write in the comments or send us an email. Tell me if you don't, if you think differently then this kid isn't simply being manipulated. Check this clip out of little James Younger. You're a boy, right? No, I'm a girl. Who told you you were a girl? Mommy. When did she tell you you were a girl? Because I love girls. Oh, I see. So mommy told you you were a girl? Uh-huh. Um, any, does mommy um, do anything else like with a girl with you? Mm-hmm. Like what? Like dresses. What, what does she do? She do on me. She puts dresses on you? Oh, wow. And what else does she do? She buys my headbands. Uh-huh. And she, and, <clears throat> and she gets me hair clips. Oh, hair clips? Okay. Mm-hmm. What else? Some microphones. What else? Like a skeleton. Does she do anything with your fingers? Yeah. What? She paints my nails. So that, why does she do that? Because I love my nail polish. Oh. 
So mommy puts you in a dress and puts nail polish on you? Mm -hmm. And and what does mommy tell you? She tells me I'm a girl. Oh, okay. Do you think you're a girl? Uh-huh. You do? Is that why you wear this, so that you can have long hair? Mm-hmm. Okay. Guys, that is honestly, that's so heartbreaking to see this young boy. And sadly, we're ta- we're not talking about, you know, maybe this kid's going to be dressed up in a dress. We're talking about starting and transitioning this young boy. I mean, guys, if there's not something that breaks your heart concerning this, I just wonder if you honestly have a pulse. You know, God was very clear in Genesis chapter 5, verse 2. He said he created them male and female. He blessed them and named them man in the day they were created. Jesus also, as many people want you to believe <laughs> that Jesus didn't speak to this, he actually did. He says, and not only, and it's in two different, two of the synoptic gospels in both Mark and Matthew both say the very, very similar things. And he said, and he answered them and said, have you not read that he created them from the beginning, made them male and female? Ultimately, God is the one who chooses these things. God is the one who chooses whether or not you are made male or female. God is the one who has chosen your sex for you. You don't get to choose that. I'm sorry. That's just God's word. There's nothing, we, we don't want to try to get around that. This is God's word. This is Jesus. Jesus's words, if you want to do your, you know, your red letter Christian nonsense, you know, but guys, we think about this. Think about how horrible it is that this poor young child is being manipulated this way by his own mother. I mean, could you imagine that? And guys, I do believe this stems a lot from the divorcing of family, the hating of family. God has designed it a certain way. He's designed these families a certain way. One that we would mirror our relationship with Christ, that marriages would mirror our relationship with Christ, that the father would be the head of the household. And men, you guys, don't be cowards. You need to be the men of your household. Men, don't be cowards. You need to go and, and do work. In fact, at our own home church, I know that we haven't excommunicated a lot of people, but I know that one man who did was specifically because he didn't provide for his own. You know, because he didn't provide for his own. And the Bible's very clear that if you don't provide for your own, you're worse than an infidel. You're worse than a non-believer. And so, guys, I have to point this out because, men, you need to be walking in the word. You need to be walking in truth. I don't know anything about the dad, in all honesty. I just know he doesn't want his son transitioning into a woman, which he will never transition into. You can do cosmetically. You can take whatever pills. You can remove Adam's apples. You can cut off genitalia. You can do whatever you want, and it's not going to change whether or not that boy is a boy because God is ultimately the author of truth. What he chooses is objective. Okay, you can't, that is our standard. So when he makes someone male or female, he is the one we go back to. And when he says this in his word so clearly in Deuteronomy 22, five, a woman shall not wear men's clothing, nor shall a man put on woman's clothing for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. It is quite clear that this practice is abominable to God. It's abominable. And this woman putting this on her children is abominable. Jesus also said in Luke chapter 17 that if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, stumbling block's going to come, but if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, 
It'd be better to have a millstone wrapped around your neck and for you to be thrown into the sea. Thrown into the sea, guys. That's what God says about this. That's what he says in his word about this. You know, praise God. And guys, by the way, this is happening in Texas. <laughs> Just so you guys know, a fairly conservative area. Uh, I know Beto almost won there, and that guy is, you know, this one of the more repugnant, uh, in all honesty, the viewpoints that he has are some of the most repugnant when it comes to the political uh, landscape. Um, I'm not a big Matt Walsh fan. I'm just going to put that out there. Matt Walsh is a Catholic. He has bad argumentation sometimes, and he also happens to be um, sometimes very rude. Uh, he'll use foul language. Um, I don't associate typically with people like that, but he was talking about uh, that him and, and, and I know like a conservative blogger, uh, she also has a, a show as well, a podcast show, um, and her name, uh, I think it's Conservative Mill or Conserve Mill, uh, Conservative Millennial, I think is what that's going for, is Allie Beth Stuckey, and uh, they've been talking a lot about this, and Matt Walsh actually tweeted out, he said, the governor of Texas is now looking into the James Younger case. A state legislator will introduce a bill to ban puberty blockers for children. I think our efforts the last few days has a lot to do with this. Thanks to everyone who spoke out. Keep it up. And this is Greg Abbott's tweet, uh, the the, tech, the Texas governor. He said, FYI, the matter of the seven-year-old James Younger is being looked into by the Texas Attorney General's Office and the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services. Protective Services. Hashtag James Younger. And you guys, it is really, really important that we see this stuff. It's really, really important that we do stand up and stand up for these children. Okay, it is really, really important that we actually care about these things and we aren't cowardice about this. Okay, this is a seven-year-old child. A seven-year-old child being manipulated and about to get... Ugh, guys, and don't think the comments are all positive, okay? Because there are naysayers. Matt Walsh said he's a boy, he's a seven-year-old, he's a child. Please go away with your anti-child, you know, anti-science stuff. He, he actually cussed in that, so I won't quote him. But um, somebody wrote to him, no, she's a girl who has gone through the prescribed process of diagnosing and treating gender dysphoria with her mother and medical professionals, which is why a Texas jury agreed to this. Stop making this about you. Stop exploiting other folks for clicks. To which Allie Beth Stuckey actually responded, Actually, no. A dossier filed by the court cites his gender-affirming counselor saying the boy did not show persistent insistence that he was the opposite sex. He only called himself Luna when his mom was present. He doesn't have gender dysphoria. He's just simply being abused. And guys, that's the truth of the matter. This child is being abused. Guys, this kid needs to be prayed for. This father needs to be prayed for. The brother, everyone involved needs to be prayed for. Even the mother doing this terrible thing to her child needs to be prayed for. But that doesn't go with saying that the mother doesn't need to be warned against. This mother is doing a, I, it's worse than a disservice. It's disgusting what this mother is doing to this child. And, you know, this is what happens, sadly, when the proper order that God has planned for isn't abided by. The proper order of things, with the man as the leader of the household, with the mother helping to lead and yearn her children, as the man being a man of faith that follows and seeks after the Lord. Not everything's going to be perfect, guys. It doesn't work that way. 
But ultimately, when we go away from the picture that God has given us, what's going to happen is chaos. What's going to happen is sadness. And what's going to happen is exploitation. Okay? We need men to be men. We need men of faith showing up to church on Sunday, making that more important than fishing, okay, making it more important than the football game, making it more important than hanging out with your buds, okay? We need to be showing up to our fellowship, digging into the Word throughout the week. We need our children to see us in the Word. We need to see our children to see men being men. I know that a lot of this with this young man had to do with them watching Frozen and him really liking liking Elsa or something. And we could do an entire episode. In fact, that's probably something that we'll do when we have the studio ready is an entire episode on Disney and witchcraft and the fact that we peddle witchcraft to our kids and think that's going to be okay and think that there's no demonic influence and that Satan's just sitting back thinking, oh, I wish I would have thought of putting witchcraft into children's films that go absolutely viral to millions and millions of people all over the world and act like it won't have an effect. That he doesn't actually care and hasn't taken the time to dismantle as many families as possible. If God loves the family, it would be obvious that Satan absolutely hates the family. Okay? There's a reason why Aleister Crowley wrote the poem called Family Public Enemy Number One. Okay? Because that's exactly right. The family is in the crosshairs of Satan. He wants to wreck it. And I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of it starts with the fathers. You guys who impregnate a woman and ditch them, okay? You guys who don't actually work hard in front of your children, those guys who are being swindlers. Guys, yes, swindling is a sin. In fact, it's a sin so much that it's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 6 when it comes to those who won't inherit the kingdom of God. The thing is, is that we want to look at these things and say, I want to be a dad that my kids look up to. I want to be a dad that when my kids see me, they see Christ. And when I stumble, I'm able to come up to them and say, hey, I messed up in this way. And so that we can stop these this these abuses from happening the best we can there's enough of this world that has satan there's enough in this world that is being ravaged by the enemy let us be men that stand up let us be men that aren't cowardice and that don't endorse things as we transition uh, that don't endorse things that are completely unbiblical uh, don't endorse people that are completely unbiblical Okay, we've dealt at length uh, with the Beth Moore issue on the Good Fight Radio Show, and I'd love for you guys to check that out. But guys, this one goes beyond Beth Moore, okay? Uh, We're going to be talking about Paula White again, someone that I honestly was hoping I didn't have to talk about again on the Good Fight Radio Show or Good Fight Radio Show or 511 News. But Paula White came out with a book called Something Greater. And sadly, guys, men who I would, you know, say most of them are men of God. Guys, I've seen them speak. I've seen them show the gospel. But this is cowardly. Okay? And that's what it is. And I say it's cowardly not only because of the endorsements she got, but because of the recanting and keeping quiet about their recanting. Okay? And this goes right to you, Franklin Graham and Greg Laurie. Franklin Graham posted on his Twitter, quote, Paula White has led an interesting life and now serves as a trusted advisor to Donald Trump. She has a new book coming out that you might want to check out. Of course, Franklin Graham would delete that tweet and not make any comment about it afterwards. But also, Greg Laurie, he said this, quote, Honestly, I was not sure what to think when I was first invited to meet Paula White. Clearly, We have differed in some areas theologically, 
Yet, I have found her to be gracious and humble. I'm glad she has taken the time to write down her amazing life story. It will give you hope. Once again, delete it. Robert Jeffers, also um, Jeffress, or however you pronounce it, also tweeted out in support of Paula White's book. I think his is actually still up. And guys, we actually already did an episode where Paula White, and I know the title of it, you know, you might say, how is she pushing porn? Guys, you can go listen to our show where we talked about Paula White, where we played the audio, where her husband told a group of church members at her church, quote unquote, that they should go watch porn to liven up their sex life. Told this to a church congregation to commit sin. So basically... You know, polish your your car with, you know, cow manure. You know, commit sin in order for righteousness to come out of it. Guys, that is so unbiblical. That is so ridiculous that somebody could say that. And I, I'll have put Tony put the link to that show in the description of this show so you guys can check that out on your own. Because, I mean, it's absolutely repugnant. Not to mention, she's part of the Word of Faith movement. Not to mention, she's part of the Prosperity Gospel. Not to mention... She was seen, this is her third marriage, by the way, to the guy from Journey, and she was seen in the past holding hands, leaving a hotel in Italy with Benny Hinn. I mean, guys, this is the kind of stuff that she's wrapped up in, three marriages deep. And by the way, I I have to, I have to caveat, okay? I have to caveat this. She also calls herself pastor. Guys, that's like calling yourself a married bachelor, a woman pastor. I'm sorry. Maybe you disagree, but you can disagree with Paul and the Holy Spirit in 1 Timothy 2 when Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over men. And guess what? Oh, well, you know what? It was just for that time, just for that time area. That's what an N.T. Wright would say. Okay. No, he appeals to the creative order. That's what Paul appeals to so that we know he's talking. Guys, these are the pastoral epistles. This is what we literally read these things. We read the pastoral epistles, read the epistles that Paul wrote to know how do we run church, God, because the Holy Spirit ultimately is the one who wrote it. How do we run this? Well, you know what? I'm going to do exactly what God said not to do. And then once I do exactly what God said not to do, then that's how we'll run the church. And then it'll be just fine. Everything will be okay, even though they don't listen to this part of scripture. Here's the problem with that line of thinking. And I think that Beth Moore, okay, and I know I'm lumping her in here with Paula White. I'm not saying she's that bad, but with everything and where it's going, guys, it is that bad. All right? That's the fact, is that Paula White, Beth Moore, once you start taking certain scriptures that you no longer want to believe, you can be like Beth Moore and talk about how you we put too much faith in Paul. Oh, I wonder why she would say that. Oh, I wonder why, oh, because it was Paul, even though it was the Holy Spirit, as we're told, um, you know, in Second Peter, not only that men of God, that God ultimately is the one who wrote it. Second Timothy 3.16 tells us that every scripture is theonoustoth, God breathed. And then Paul also, or I'm sorry, Peter actually referred to Paul's writings as scripture. And you know what I love about that in contrast with what Beth Moore did there? I love that in contrast because Paul and Peter had an argument with one another. And, and Peter didn't decide, you know what, Paul, since we had that argument, since you rebuked me to my face, I guess we're no longer going to be friends. And I can't tell people that your writings are in par or in line with scripture, graphe, and hold the same weight. I'm not going to do that. Oh, wait. Yes, I am. Okay. Because I don't care, Miss Beth Moore, if you don't like 
what Paul had to say because God's the one who said it. And I don't care, Paula White, if you don't like that God says you cannot be, period, end of sentence, you cannot be a pastor. And then this is going to be propagated. This is going to be pushed to people. Guys, this is why when you have the sufficiency of Scripture questioned, okay, when you start questioning it in some areas, eventually you'll question question it in others. That's just what happens, guys. This is what happens. But I find this really interesting, and I tried to link these these stories together as much as I can. They don't always work that way, but one of the things when it comes to this show, I want you guys to get news, and I want you to get news that it lines up with Scripture. I was just having a discussion this week with somebody online who didn't like something we posted, and when I gave him Scripture, his his uh, complaint was that I guess I was like a robot because I just quoted Scripture instead of my feelings. But guys, the the fact is that Jesus said... To the woman at the well, guess what? We are supposed to worship God. He is seeking a people that will worship him in spirit and truth. Okay? And the fact is, is when I have feelings and opinions, they have to line up with scripture. As soon as they veer off to the left and I don't have scripture, I need chapter, verse, and I don't have scripture to back it up. Guess what? I need to throw it out the window. That isn't a robot. Okay? That's simply saying, I, ha- I know the objective standard, I know the truth, and I'm going to let the truth set me free, okay? I'm not going to be in bondage to my heart. I'm not going to be in bondage to my feelings. I don't trust them. I trust God's word, okay? And if I have a feeling, a thought, or whatever it is, I'm going to go test it against the standard, okay? That's what we have to do. That's the best way to go about it. And when we don't do that, we find we fall into the pitfalls of heresy. And that's exactly what happens. The pitfalls of heresy come, and it's really, really dangerous. And guys, this brings me to a recent study uh, by Pew Research Center about the U.S. decline of Christianity continues at a rapid pace. And I'm not going to go, I don't have enough time to dig into all the details of what's going on um, concerning those questions. But Everyone probably looks at this and thinks, oh, this is terrible. I can't believe Christianity is in a decline. We need this to be a Christian nation, okay? But the fact is, I don't believe, <clears throat> I don't believe that conservative Christianity necessarily is in a decline, okay? I think what's happening here in America is the line is being drawn in the sand. The cultural Christians are dying off. They're realizing that they don't actually believe what they're practicing. The nominal Christian, I believe, is dying off. I believe that the nominal Christian is no longer saying, why am I, is saying to themselves, why am I doing this on Sundays? Why do I keep showing up if I don't necessarily believe it, if it doesn't gain me anything? Because I think a lot of that, guys, I think a lot of the Mormon missionaries, uh, they go out on their mission, okay? And I've had coached some, and um, I think a lot of it is an investment. They're going out and they're doing their mission because they know if they stay in the Mormon church, they have somebody there, they'll help them get a good job. Um, They'll have someone there, a family, to help grow them, all that stuff. Okay? And that's the truth. I believe that's what's going on. And I think that happens in in churches over the years. Realtors go to churches, and they get involved, and now they're able to sell houses to people. You know, nothing wrong with being a realtor and being a believer. I know plenty of believers that are realtors. It's a good job, too. It's a great job. Uh, It can provide for your family. It's awesome. But this is a fact. A lot of people, uh, construction workers and stuff, have used that. 
Um, they say, oh, I got to get into a good church because that's where a lot of my business is going to come from. Um, and I think that a lot of this is going by the wayside. A lot of the cultural Christianity is dying off. Um, maybe not in the Bible Belt. I mean, maybe it is. Um, that's what a lot of this study would say. But I think that we're going to deal with real Christians. And that's the one thing that I say about uh, the homeschool, public school debate. Okay. I do. I, I think it's not wise. Personally, I would never, especially here in California, I don't know how it is other places, but I would never, uh, being a coach for the last 11 years uh, in the public school realm, I would never allow my children to go to public school for that many hours a day with a bunch of non-believers. Not going to do it. Never. Okay. But uh, I would also say those who I know that have, okay, and, and have gone, the, the believers that have come out of that, okay, are not typically nominal. They are on fire because they are in the thickets of the Jordan when it comes to spiritual faith. They are made fun of, okay? They do exactly, if they have a faith that's real, they are what it says in 1 Peter 4, 3, that they're marveled at, that they no longer run in the dissipations, right? The drinking parties, all right? All of the things that the wicked run in, that they don't run in those things. And because they don't run in those things, all right, they are like a beacon of hope and light, and guys, when when I see converts, I'm not seeing, this is me personally, and, I, and guys, I'm just saying it's been awesome, and uh, for those who are from our Fellowship of Blessed Hope, you guys usually see young guys sitting around next to me. That's because we dig in the scriptures together. That's because we talk about apologetics, and I know at least two of the guys were atheists not too long ago, and now they're alive in the faith, and they're learning their own apologetics. One of them just got into Biola, and um, I, I love seeing that. Because if you're going to have real faith, you're going to grow in it. And that's, I'm okay with nominal Christianity dying off because I grew it. I grew up in it. I was American, so I thought I was a Christian, and I really wasn't. Okay, I was just twice the son of the devil is what I was. And so, guys, I want you not to be fake and not to be phony. Okay, I want you to look at the Word of God and say, this is my standard. This is truth. I'm going to walk in it. Okay, and throw aside all the nonsense. And let nominal Christianity die. And let true Christians be a beacon of light and hope for this lost and dying world. This has been Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And this is the 511 News.